want to remind ourselves of a verse that Johnny Farrell uh, read in his talk. It wasn't deliberately really the beginning of, of the teaching series, but, but it really led really nicely, teed it up beautifully. It's from 1 Peter 4.10. says, each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. We have a role and a part to play that's part of this bigger story. If you're part of our church or you're checking us out, we highly value that God is on you. He's anointed you to preach good news. He's anointed you to bind up the broken heart. He's anointed you to set the captives free. It's for all of us. Everyone gets to play, but everyone has a unique role and part of this. Week one, we looked at the story of Nehemiah. Nehemiah goes back to Jerusalem and uh, rebuilds the broken walls, but he enlists this incredible army of, of, of his people, and they all did the work, regardless of who they were, except for the posh nobles. The, the, they, they weren't prepared to do the work, but the rest of them, uh, there was a perfume maker, there was a jeweler, there was uh, uh, the priests, uh, men, women, children, they all got stuck in. And they moved the rocks and they rebuilt the walls. And there's a part and a role and a story and a picture in that that we're all called to do just whatever it takes. It doesn't matter what the job is, we could all do it. And then last week, uh, Sergi kicked us off brilliantly with a rugby analogy that in the game of rugby, there are specific positions played by usually specific builds of, uh, of person um, that gets to play, but their role on the pitch is very, very unique. And we began to unpack that, that within the body of Christ, uh, some are hands and some are feet and some are eyes and some are, um, you know, uh, more strange things like glands, whatever it might be. Uh, and we took Paul's teaching. It wasn't just Serge's teaching. God help us all. Um, it, was, it was using the scriptures of how he used the human body to actually um, help us understand that we all uh, have our parts and a place within the body. And so I want to take things uh, just a step forward this week. And it's really saying, how do we find our role? Because you could be sitting there going, oh, yeah, yeah, that's all very well and good. It's obvious you do this and you do that. But I'm just sitting here. I just don't know where I fit. It could be folks who are new here and just like, listen, mate, I, I'm just through the door. I, I, I'm, I don't even know anyone's name yet. And that's totally okay. And I want to just kind of just outline a little bit of how do you, how do we begin to help you find your uniqueness, your, new, your unique role within uh, the body and what God is calling you specifically to use your gift to serve others. So I have three things and three passages of scripture to help us. And the first one is what's in your hand? It's taken from Exodus 4, first four verses. Moses answered, what if they do not believe me or listen to me and say, the Lord did not appear to you? Then the Lord said to him, what is that in your hand? A staff, he replied. The Lord said, throw it on the ground. Moses threw it on the ground and it became a snake and he ran from it. Then the Lord said to him, reach out your hand and take it by the tail. So Moses reached out and took hold of the snake and it turned back into a staff in his hand. Moses has committed murder in the place where he grew up in Egypt. 
and uh, he runs away for fear of his life. And in that place, for years and years, running from uh, the place where he had been, he'd lived a privileged life. Um, God appears to Moses in a burning bush, and in that, he says, "See, see the way my people are being treated in the." Uh, place of captivity in Egypt from whence you came. I am sending you to go back there to free my people. And Moses is unwilling and is naturally scared. I do not want to go back to that place. Look at what I did. I might be found out. I might be in trouble. I just don't want to go back there. And he uses every excuse under the sun, trying to talk God out of what God was asking and inviting him to do. I guess many of us have been like that, haven't we? God's asked something of us, and we're like, no, you got the wrong guy. No, I don't want to do that. No, no, no. And it's usually fear. It's, that's usually the thing. Why? Because the enemy sows fear into our lives and makes us believe we can't do that. We shouldn't do that. We're not skilled enough. We're not holy enough. And we begin to partner with the enemy and we begin to agree and just go along with that. And yet in this moment, God says to Moses, what is that in your hand? And through that, God uses it to do his wonders. What is it that's in your hand? What is it that God has entrusted to you? What has he given you? Three things I want to briefly talk about. Time, treasure, and talent. Time is possibly the most valuable commodity that we have. Some of us are time rich, and some of us are time poor. And this is not the bit where I'm going to say, oh, I'm going to use that spare bit of time to do more stuff for God. That's not what it's about. But it's rather a question, how are you spending your time? Where is it going? Uh, I had the delight, and I mean it, um, with Nathan Fugard this, this week. We, we did our life group for the first week. It was teenage lads, and it was brilliant. I really loved it. And they seemed to like it too. They might not tell you that, but I, I can tell. You know you can tell? I could tell that they, they liked it too. And part of it, we were talking about identity. We were talking about you know use of their time and how they're spending it. And, um, and I did, because I'm, I'm a good teacher. Uh, I had a whiteboard, and I had a, the marker, and I said, okay, how are you using your time? So I did a nice little pie chart, and we did, you know, 120 degrees for eight hours, because eight, six, I'm good at maths too, and we, that was sleep. Okay, what else do you have to do? Um, uh, I have to go to school. Yeah, okay, what else do you have to do? I need to wash, I need to eat. So that was another eight hours. So we've got 16 out of 24. We've got, you know, two-thirds of the pie chart taken up. How are you spending the rest of your time? Oh, that's when the penny began to drop. They'll get their mobile phones out, the third limb that they can't possibly be severed from. Adults, we're the same, not just as bad. And they go onto their, their phones and they go onto screen time and they begin to be horrified that their average daily screen time was between three and a half to four and a half hours a day. So we're going to think, oh my goodness, the penny begins to drop. Where are we spending our time? What is in it that is in your hand that God could use for, the, for his sake, uh, for the sake of others, our treasure? How much have you got? That's a really personal question, isn't it? 
not going to go there. Whatever we've got, whatever God has entrusted to us, it's his and it's for his use and for his purposes. Last week, I said how I met with a family and they had said, with this home, God's given us this and we really want to use it. We're really hospitable people. We want to have people round. Yes, that's about using the treasure that God's given us for the sake of others. Um, the person who, uh, where us lads met on Monday night, we, the, the buildings that we have were being used, there, there, which is great. It led me with the problem is I've got no space to meet. So uh, there's a friend of ours who's from another church in the town, owns a business nearby, and he kindly let us use his business, and that's where we've been meeting. And he said to us, uh, oh, yeah, yeah, what's it you're doing? I said, oh, a few of us, about 10 of us coming around and all the rest. He said, I'll get your pizzas in. And so he goes to Papa's, and he buys six pizzas, chips, drinks, everything. We're spuffing our faces. Just the kindness of God. Not charging us a pen or anything. Just through generosity. The treasure that God has given him just wants to give it away. And we, the boys are so impressed. I said, if you want to learn about generosity, that's generosity. Thirdly, talent. What is it that you're good at? What is it that you enjoy? What are you interested in? What are you passionate about? What is it that's in your hand? Sergi gathered a group of um, uh, folks just within the church who are new to the church to see if uh, perhaps God was speaking to them about being part of worship. And uh, one particular person that was there is, is musician and was questioning and questioning their self before the Lord saying, is this the right fit for me? Is this the place for me to actually be on stage? And, and not quite sure. But then they said, but you know what? I'm really, really good at organizing. I'm really good at planning. Maybe I could use that gift because that's also what I'm good at. And I could help serve the team by not being on stage, but actually being behind the scenes and helping and planning and organizing. Time, treasure, and talent. That was the first thing I wanted to mention. The second one was use what you've got. And it's similar to, to time. Whatever portion you've been given, use that. Whatever it is that God's entrusted, use that. We know well, many of us, the parable of the talents. We're going to read from Matthew 25, just two verses. Again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one, he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, and to another one bag, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. This passage uh, demonstrates uh, that God has entrusted um, talent. The talent was a monetary thing. It represented money, but also is where we get the English word talent. It's where it's derived from in terms of gifts uh, or personal abilities and whatever it is. But what's also interesting from the passage is that one received five, another two, another one. And Jesus says, according to his ability. And it's obvious in life that some are entrusted with more. More money, more time, and more talent. I mean, if we were all as gifted at playing the guitar as Sergi, I mean, goodness me, what would it sound like? That was a compliment this time. That's okay. Just trying to even things out. That's one, one. More is entrusted to others, regardless, though. It doesn't matter 
if it's five, if it's two, if it's one, if it, whatever it is, we are invited to use what we've got. A well-used phrase, and full of one-liners <laughs> this morning, is do what you can where you are with what you've got. And that's just a helpful way of kind of seeing where's God got me? What can I do with what God has already entrusted to me? Now, you could be sitting there still pondering, going, okay, that's all good, blah-de-blah, but how do I know? How? Like, like, just tell me, would you? And actually, sometimes it's easier for someone else to see it in you, what God's entrusted you with, than for you to know yourself. And so if you're still unsure, often others can help, especially leaders. In fact, it is part of the role of leaders to actually draw out from other people and invite other people into the story. Look at Jesus. Look at the way that he led, the way that he invited people into his life, but how he called out the very things about the individuals that he led. Simon, you're no longer Simon, but I'm going to rename you Peter. Why? The name Peter means rock. And on this rock, I will build my church. That was the specific thing. Peter's the guy who gets to stand up at Pentecost in Acts 2. And he delivers uh, the sermon and there the church is birthed and born. It's when a leader calls out in you what God has entrusted to you. Two verses from 1 Timothy, which um, helps illustrate the point, the unique relationship between Paul and Timothy. Uh, Paul writes to him, he says, Do not neglect your gift, which was given you through prophecy when the body of elders laid their hands on you. And then in 2 Timothy 1 says this, For this reason I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of hands. For the Spirit of God gave us, does not give, make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. Now, the specific gift that Paul is writing about is unsure, it's unclear. Some people just say it could just be the name given for his overall ministry that God had called him to. Others say it's the gift, the spiritual gift of evangelism, because it's actually mentioned also in uh, the writings to Timothy. Whereas others would claim or think that it was actually to do with the gift of preaching and teaching. You getting bored? It's, it's, it, um, that's completely thrown me. <laughs> Touche. <laughs> oh, that's completely thrown me. Where am I? Regardless of the gift that, uh, that Paul was referring to, regardless of that, the point that he's making is fan into flame, the gift, the gift which was given you. How was it given? Two ways. It was through a prophetic gift or a prophetic revelation, but also through the laying on of hands. And prophecy simply is having a word of knowledge or a prophetic word that I believe God's spoken to me for you, and I think God's given you the gift of this. I'll give you two brief examples. Uh, legacy. Legacy is the national 
sort of leaders gathering for the uh, leaders in the vineyard churches here in Ireland. And we've had two uh, such gatherings pre-COVID. The second one was in Belfast. And this incredible, crazy, amazing pastor from Cork was speaking. And during what we call ministry time at the end, I'm stood on the front row. So you're kind of in his limelight. And, and he said, Paul, I believe God's given you the gift of discernment, the spiritual gift of discernment. And he begins to pray for me and all these other crazies around me. They lay hands, but they're praying for me. And boy, it was the most incredible encounter, Holy Spirit encounter there, where I received the gift of discernment. If you un don't understand what that is, um, I don't have time to explain it, but please ask me afterwards. I'd love to explain more. Another time um, that I experienced such a thing was when I was 19 years of age, uh, back in England where I grew up, um, in a very small group gathered, and it was to do with church planting. It was, a, it was a group of people that were interested in planting churches. And, uh, and I went along, and I sat in the back row. I thought, that's a safe place, the back row. The first one was the front. I'm at the back row. And this guy, Steve, who's there doing the teaching, he calls out. He says, you, you. I'm like, oh, my goodness, he knows my secret sins. I'm in big, big, big trouble here. He says, I believe God's called you to speak and to teach. And I was just like, oh, wow. And it did sort of resonate with me, meaning it kind of sort of made sense. I kind of, I, I was noticing as a teenager, as I read my Bible, I began to think of ways that I might be able to, to share that using story, using analogy, using personal things and began to kind of think that. And so and these were ways very similar to the way Paul and uh, revealed the gifts, whatever the gift was, to Timothy. Now, the important thing to know is that if that happens to you, wonderful. But what do you do with that? How do you steward that? Because as a 19-year-old, pretty naive and probably um, all cocky and arrogant and all the rest, I just thought, I'm just going to wait for the invitations to flood in. My international teaching ministry is going to begin America are going to hear of me, and I'm going to be jetting off. And as it's like weeks pass by, I was like, what a flip. Not a dicky bird. Not even an invitation to come and speak at the women's group. No offense, women. <laughs> oh, win the crowd. Win the crowd. <laughs> There's a back door here. But, um, do you know, what do you do with that? You just stay faithful. You carry on reading your Bible, and that's what I did. I had a notebook, and I would write down things. don't actually do that anymore. Um, maybe I should, thank you. That's 2-1. <laughs> um, and that, that's what you do. You just steward what you think comes naturally. Now, they're obviously quite specific prophetic words, prayed for occasions. Most of the time. It's just say what you see most of the time. When I'm with someone um, and I would ask a question, I'd say, what, what's God made you for? What's the dream? What are you good at? And I just ask questions and I try and help kind of tease out what, uh, what God has given you. Um, on Monday, again, going back to the teenage lads, I 
We're just asking questions. And this week, they're in for a real treat. We're going to keep doing that. We've got some brilliant, brilliant questions and ways to help them understand how they're wired and what their personality is and what they're good at and all the rest. I need to come in for life. The key point with all of this is taking the place. It's finding your peace in the jigsaw puzzle. And uh, the last couple of weeks, have we got the jigsaw, anyone? I don't know where it landed. Is it in the welcome box? It's not in your handbag, is it, Jackie? Who's got the jigsaw? The jigsaw's gone away. Okay. Well, if we can find it, great. Otherwise, loads of you have taken small pieces of a jigsaw of Tarek Fergus. Did you have one? Good. As are stuck with little pieces of blue tack, they're on our fridge at home. And they represent each one of us and our place, our unique place. And each of us, if you're part of this church, you have a role and a place to play. 